Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in the TV Black Box, exclusive details on production delays for Married at First Sight. Good news for Seven as they report a bump in profits and the new rating system. Is it worthwhile or just spin? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to TV Black Box. It's another big day as news continues to break in the industry we call TV. And joining me to do some talking is Aaron Ryan in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people, and thank goodness the Olympics are over a full week of normal television. I love it. Well, good old Steve Malk is in lockdown Sydney. Hello, Malky. What if it is normal? I mean, really? <laughs> Indeed. And Sarah Monaghan is footloose and fancy free in Florida. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> I am footloose, but I am in the middle of a threesome between Fred and Grace. I'm confused. They're tropical storms. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I am on the sunny Gold Coast where masks are mandatory, but lockdown is not. Okay, let's get into the news because Channel 9's Married at First Sight is the latest TV production to be affected by COVID-19 lockdowns, with filming in Sydney delayed until November. As exclusively revealed by TV Black Box, this delay will impact the post-production of the show, but Nine believes it can still deliver the show on schedule. Uh, Aaron, these are the issues facing all productions in this country at the moment. There is a lot of uncertainty about shooting and, and, you know, they're obviously buying some time here with Married at First Sight, um, pushing it back until November, but it doesn't look like lockdowns will end anytime soon down in Sydney. No, it doesn't at all. It looks like they're going to be in lockdown until nearly Christmas. A great story, but, um, yeah, as you said, one that uh, has and will become too familiar. Uh, shows on ports, obviously, due to COVID situation. Australia's got talent, obviously, cancelled. Win the week, uh, pushed back a few weeks. So, um uh, yeah, there is a good lead-out time until the show debuts next year, so I don't think there'll be any worries, though, getting this one to air for February. Mulk, that is a problem, isn't it, that they have to shoot this. It's one of Nine's biggest properties. Not shooting it is not an option. Yeah, agree. This is a must-film franchise for them. It, it really kicks the year off so huge. And In fact, I think what it'll probably do is bring them back to the, look, I'll call it the bad old days of the block where they were shooting content and editing it, you know, you know, and delivering the tape to the the network sort of with hours to minutes to go. Like it'll get that tight towards the end of it if they delay it too long. And and having you know the lockdown extend, as Aaron is suggesting, will only put more pressure on it and a whole bunch of other productions. Um, this is a real challenge for TV production again, and it's not just affecting Sydney; it's affecting Melbourne. They just got another two weeks. Uh, of lockdown on top of what they were already on, and they're on lockdown number six. Um, it, it's just the ongoing impact of the, the pandemic on this specific industry. Can they mm. do like the NBA where they just, they're like, we're going to quarantine our little production, like the block owns a block. Like, you know, you've got a house, just stick everyone in it and film and don't let anybody out. Stick like, everyone you can't. In it. Just put everyone no, like, but that's what the NBA did here. They went to Disney. It was just the teams playing. No one else was allowed in or out. They weren't allowed out. And so they could continue to play and film. And they just, they weren't in contact with outside people who could possibly infect them. So take all of your productions and just put them in a little bubble and don't let people in or out. The NRL are doing that in this country, but it's a very expensive exercise. Um, one that Australian productions don't have that kind of money 
to do that. That will greatly impact budgets. What you can do is obviously have protocols in place where people are getting tested constantly and they are in bubbles to an extent. You know, you think about Married at First Sight, they live in a hotel basically, but the production crew usually come and go. So it comes down more to how the production crew are treated and what protocols in place. Meanwhile, Seven West Media's financial year results for 2020 to 21 have been released, with the company announcing a net profit of $318.1 million. That's a vast improvement on last year's result of minus $163.3 million loss. Revenue grew 3.5%, and CEO James Warburton says the company will win the ratings year no matter how you want to cut it. Interestingly, despite huge ratings for the Olympics, the company reported a loss of $50 million dollars for the event, but the company also announced significant revenue growth in its online streaming service 7 Plus, which was up 78%. Malt 7 will be happy with this result and it shows the future, there is a future in online streaming, but also shows 7 is back. I can hear James Warburton leaning back in his chair for the first time in a long time from here. Uh, I, I think as much as Deservedly anything... Deservedly so. Oh, yeah. Look, the I, I think what we've discovered is the only clear benefit in delaying the Olympics by a year is that you're able to write off the cost of the Olympics into last financial year and roll all of the profit of the ad sales into this year. Um, that, in part, I think, is wh- why we've landed where we are in this amazing profit v whatever. And, and look, I would absolutely expect that there's a loss component to to having uh, the Olympics. It's why they all of the networks bid so heavily for big events and sport in Australia is because they're loss leaders, and that's exactly what the Olympics are. You want to pay Although Warburton said that he would consider sporting events going forward, and they wouldn't just go high for them that has to make economic sense oh mate it, and it's happening right now with nine negotiating with the nrl right there is no way we're going to see the amount of money splashed around that we did last time for those you know big uh, uh, sort of marquee sporting events that they've had in the past the olympics is a little bit of a different case because it happens you know mm. every four years and seven have bought in for ad infinitum i think the olympics will be on seven um and that's, that's a good thing for Seven, and certainly they've proven this Olympics um, that Seven Plus has matured as a platform to be able to deliver all of the content that they want. Um, look, anecdotally, in all situations, there's people complaining about different bits, and it would be great to have Australian voices on all of the feeds, but that's not practical. Um, yeah, that $52 million loss would have gotten a little bigger if you'd had a whole lot of Australian voices commentating every feed coming out of the broadcast centre. Um, it, it, it's just... It's, it's one of those things where we start to see finally for Seven a return on the investment that they've been pouring in to things like Seven Plus into promotion for the Olympics 12 months late. Um, you know, and all eyes now for them turn to Paris and what they're going to be able to do with that. It's not a better time zone. It's actually a worse time zone, so that'll be difficult. They'll pull it off, but it'll be difficult. It'll be like the Americans and Tokyo, right? It'll be everything's skew if and you know you've got to get up at 3am to see the swimming finals well that's the thing and i think they've shown they don't need to send so many people over Mm. to the games and i think seven's contingent was less than 40 people this time oh yeah almost all of the commentary was run out of australia in in the various uh, melbourne or or, or sydney Uh, all of their post-production was done out of sydney at everly i think from from memory so this is yeah a huge spin uh, a huge change yep Well, last week it was revealed that Ellen DeGeneres' show would not be returning to Nine for its 19th and final season, and the trouble for Ellen continues. As exclusively revealed by Kevin Perry on TV Blackbox, Foxtel has also decided not to secure the broadcast rights due to a decline in ratings. Sarah, she lost 50% of her audience last season. Do you think a network like 10 will pick it up, or is there no place for Ellen on Aussie TV screens, especially considering the controversy she's been through? I I think it's kind of funny that Portia de Rossi was uh, tweet like, Instagramming it was their wedding anniversary today. So the country dropped her, but her wife still got her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's important. Relationships are important, Sarah. I mean, she's still got a little piece of Australia. Um, Like your relationship with Frank and Grace. Yes. Um, (laughs) It's very messy. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the networks really right now are playing round robin with all the TV shows and everyone's one person's dropping something and someone else is picking it up. So who knows what 10's going to do, especially if they yeah. can get it cheap. But I think that's the problem. I don't think it's been cheap. I think Warner Brothers have been trying to wring every last cent out of this brand. Oh, for sure. Now, if there hadn't been the controversy, they probably would have got whatever price they wanted. But the problem is uh, the networks here have lost interest. They're like, eh, it's a risk and we don't want to pay those high prices. Do people still watch her? Like, I, I just don't find her, I don't, I, don't, I don't think people care anymore. They'll find something well, that's the ratings. that's the ratings question, isn't it? With her ratings diving in the States, because um, let's be fair, like she airs here at midday. So the numbers aren't huge to start with in Australia. That's just stay-at-home mums, yeah. Well, it's it's a very small it's a very small market compared to other parts of the day. Um, the the difficulty for Warner Brothers is that with all of the stuff that happened around Ellen in the last twelve to eighteen months, uh, it really did put you know take some of the gloss off what is supposed to be your you know your big valedictory year where Ellen's meant to go out giving away everything to everybody having a great time isn't it wonderful we love Ellen we'll miss Ellen and in Australia great get from Kevin Perry she's not going to be on 9 where she's mm. been for years well i thought she was ending the show anyway yeah that's she my point she is ending the show but it's not broadcasting in Australia and that's a significant change with, with one season to go, I really would have thought Foxtel would have screened it, even with any sort of controversy and stuff. But I'll not at any cost. That, no, this that, is the key. That's it. We are now well, in I'll, the age where TV stations and networks and uh, pay TV providers will not do anything at any cost. Well, Rob, I was also going to add that Nine has backed out of... Um, bachelor in paradise the us on 10 now the connection between the two is that both of these um form part of a deal with warner brothers international mm. so what you were saying earlier about costs i'm um, not letting it go letting go of a couple of warner brothers titles um so i was starting to think is it a cost thing or a relationship thing with warners what what's going on there because nine really don't have much left uh with warners at all it'll absolutely be cost yeah it's cost for sure but maybe nine and warners aren't continuing any deals they have basically that's interesting very very few now very few mm. titles all right the foxtel group has secured a multi-year deal to broadcast the motor gp or grand prix motorcycle racing on foxtel and ko from next year every practice qualifying and championship race will be shown live including the superbike world championship in 2023 this sounds like a good deal. We're talking, Mulk, all of, all the time about the fact that sport is driving subscriptions. As a senior figure said to me, uh, it's like pay TV in 1993, <laughs> that this is what streamers are doing now. They're relying on uh, sport to drive subscriptions. And what's interesting about this is that Foxtel also bought the free-to-air rights. Now, because of the anti-siphoning list, they have to sell it back to a free-to-air that's an interesting turn of events. But only one race. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, the Australian MotoGP uh, from Phillip Island. Uh, it will be interesting to see where that lands because previously the MotoGP has had, 10 have had the rights to that. Mm. And you would have thought, this is me not knowing, you would have thought that this is, that's a, a, a reasonably, I'll say, cheap franchise to hold on to that would have had benefit in Paramount Plus in Australia. Um, you know, as far as they've got the A-League, look, here's all of the MotoGP stuff. And if you want to watch the Australian, it's over here on um, uh, on 10. That hasn't happened and Foxtel have swooped in and, and picked it up. I don't know if that's 10 dropping the ball or just going, no, it's too rich for our blood or, or whatever it is. Um, it's a win if you are a KO subscriber and you like motorsport. Um, it's not great if you like watching uh, motorcycles go around a track really fast on free-to-air television. Aaron, it seems to me tennis saving all their money to make a play for the NRL. I reckon they're going to put a very serious bid in to be able to have it across Paramount Plus and free-to-air television. I think we're going to see a big shake-up here where Nine may not be the broadcaster in the next uh, cycle or... We'll only have regular games with someone taking State of Origin. There's been talk about the splitting up of the competition, State of Origin rights being different to the normal comp and Grand Final being different. Yeah, look, significantly, look, this, this 
I think this is quite significant, this news, because it's another loss by 10 with yet another sporting uh, co-leaving network 10. But it doesn't it depend what their final game plan is? If they're going to seriously go for the NRL rights, they need to save their cash reserves, don't they? Well, so they just had the NRL and, and, and the soccer. They were talking about still being in the hunt for sporting codes and events and all that sort of stuff. That, uh, leaving the... MotoGP behind now. That leaves 10 now with just the Formula One. That only has one year left on their contract. They have the Melbourne Cup, which I think for three more years, and now just the soccer. That's that's all they have. They said they were going to be in, in there with hunting for sporting events and, and codes, and they can't even keep the stuff that well, they Well, if they know. got ice hockey, um, that would be like literally the only channel I would watch because I only like the Formula One <laughs> and the yes, soccer. Well, as someone living hockey. in America, I'm sure 10 are after your that's right. As a sample um, of one. <laughs> <laughs> but Aaron. But, let, but, let, let me, but let me say congratulations, though, to Foxtel. There's been a lot of talk about sporting rights and deals with streaming platforms, but Foxtel seem to be simmering very quietly and confidently in the background. They've had the recent deals with the NBL, the netball. They've actually had some really, really big deals lately and that they've sort of been gone under the radar because everyone's talking about stuff that's on, you know, Stan or, or mm. you know, Paramount Plus. But yeah, Fox... Foxtel is still picking up all the big sports. All right, let's take a look at the ratings for week 33. And Seven continues to go from strength to strength with the combination of the Olympics closing ceremony and The Voice delivering gangbuster ratings. Team Red had a network share of 34.5%. The Blues came in second on 25.8, followed by Team Trump on 17.5. The National Broadcaster on 15 and SBS on 7.1. In terms of primary channels, the rankings remain the same. While Seven's it seems to be coming at the expense of 10, which has suffered significant losses this year. Australia's number three commercial network is down 1.6 points in total people, down 1.5 points in 25 to 54, down 2.5 points in 16 to 39s, and down 2.2 points in their target demo of under 50s. Mulk, the main problem is their primary channel, which now appears to be burning off The Bachelor. The Bachelor has criminally underperformed for 10 this year, uh, and that's why we're seeing, you know, double ep on Thursday, double ep this Wednesday. Uh, I don't think Thursday's a double ep. Uh, who, who even knows? With those two double eps, they've cut a week back. Maybe we have pilot week landing on us quicker than we thought. Um, huh. Survivor Australia is doing, I would say, good business for them. You know, it is doing fine. Mm. Their, their news is always a distant third in the commercial race because it runs from 5 to 6.30. Um, and and that's that's a real problem. Um, I think the challenge for 10 is that they've got one or two points. Like, if we were to graph it, they've got one or two high points. Have you been paying attention? Um, you know, Survivor. And not much else that's sticking out, like popping up for them. Whereas both 7 and 9 have this sort of reasonably consistent and absolutely built off the back of the success of their six o'clock news product. But this reasonably consistent kind of, you know, this, you know, across the week, we're kind of doing all right this week, you know, today might've been great, but this day might not have been so good for us. Uh, however you want to look at that. And and 10 just aren't even figuring into that. And, and look again, it's nearly 2022. If you're going to be a commercial network, that's being competitive, it's great to have buzzy promos, You've got to deliver some so- some meat when you're sizzling mm. that sausage, right? Mm. How does the project not rate higher given how much, like, TV, like, how much internet time they yeah. get? Because it's gone woke and it's gone broke. Oh, hang uh, on. No, that's, <laughs> that's unfair and not even close to I'm true. just quoting a media commentator from the Daily Mail. Oh, that was me. Anytime I'm on Twitter, I'm on, like, anywhere or news.com, like, there's it's always everywhere. stuff about them. And I'm like, how are they not rating higher for as much as, as a person living in America who does not watch TV, as much as I see the project on the internet, I don't understand how they're not rating more. Because it preaches to its audience. No, and no, you are totally to missing the point of what the project is. It doesn't matter what their politics are. Absolutely doesn't matter what their politics are. It's a magazine news format as opposed to the news, which it's up Understand. against in that 6.30, 7 o'clock time slot. You don't see as as shared as frequently segments of the news like you see segments of the project. Exactly. That's why it should be rating higher. If it's such a viral success, why isn't it rating higher? And let's no, be honest, you, you Channel can. 10 needs it to rate. 
to make money. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it needs it to rate to make money. And less than 500,000, you know, for the 7 to 7.30 time slot is not good business for anybody. So I do understand the project. I'm saying what I see is its failings. But no, 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 you're missing the point. That 6.30 to 7 o'clock time slot is the second toughest time slot in the week, right? So anything that they dive into that and, and, and land in that is really going to be a tough sell. It's going to be a mm-hmm. tough sell. The Agreed. 7 o'clock to 7.30 time slot is also tough because you're facing up against a resurgent home and away, at least right now, and a current affair that on average has been pulling somewhere between 6.50 and 8.50 um, every weeknight. Every weeknight it's pulling that. But that's called competition. I'm not sure what part I'm not understanding here, Again, Mark. the brands are longstanding, so we need to lean into that as well. The, the issue is that they're so not... So the project. I would put to you that they're not making it for the hour of TV, though that is absolutely how and where it's broadcast and what it should be judged by. I think, like, if you remember Hungry Beast and even now The Feed, it's being made to say, here's this slice, here's this slice, here's this slice, Put it out on our socials. Let's get engaged. That's with the only works if you can that. monetize it. So you're Which telling me Channel Ten would say we don't want a million viewers per oh, night. Mate, We'd rather be big on Twitter. Please, They're every, not monetizing please, Twitter. Every commercial network would kill for a million viewers at seven o'clock. Every one of them, right? Seven just about did when they got the Olympics. Um, the 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 challenge is that in the week to week, right? It, it it's five nights a week more. But in that, if we just go Monday to Friday, that hurly burly, well, yeah, the hurly burly of what they try and deliver into that time slot um, is going to be a challenge. And ten are coming off a, a, a twenty meter sort of you know deficit already, right? They're sure. behind. They're behind the thing already. So they're trying to put together a good product. They're delivering it. They're doing the best that they can in that situation. What I'm saying is it has a second life in the way that it is shared on social media that far exceeds what the news product is. But that's that's our point. They've got this second life and it still doesn't translate to ratings. You've, you've just reinforced why, exactly no, no, no. what Sarah said why at the beginning would anybody this, But you're telling us it? we don't understand the mechanics of the project saying, and I disagree with that. Why would anybody want to watch it if they can get the bits that they want via their social media feed? This is the whole point of Question Everything that kicks off tomorrow night on the ABC, right? The fact that we have this a whole range of people that aren't welded onto the six o'clock news service um, or ABC seven o'clock news service that are getting their news via all of the places, right? In part, that's how we land in the obfuscation sure. of what is news and fake news and all of the rest of it now, because we've done away with the authority of trusting the news and I'll just find my facts wherever I need to find them. So by filtering into um the, the demographic or the, the, certainly the younger market that, that 10 are pitching for and that the project absolutely is being pitched at, to have that content land into there. If I'm someone that, um, uh, it, let's say I'm in the target demo of the project slash 10, I'm largely unlikely to be watching the project, but I'll watch it if it lands in my social media feeds and I'll share it. But and that's I'll be not a, part a business of that. strategy. It the is if you monetize media- it. The, well, but they're not, unless it's on uh, 10 play. Well, how are they monetizing it? If it's on, are they monetizing through Facebook and Twitter and things like that? And and ultimately, ultimately, social media at this stage of the game should be a promotion platform to get you back to linear where the big uh, money is still uh, to be made. Rob, welcome to 20, what, 2005. Social media isn't just a promotional platform. Social, If it was... We wouldn't have influencers. We wouldn't have the number of people that we have making money out of their completely online experience. And so and you're telling me the profile. project is making money from its social media presence oh, mate, I alone. Don't books. So if we took the project off network television, the no, project Rob, is a sustainable you're not show. Fucking listening to me, holy I am shit! Listening. No, you're not. Twice you've doubled back. I said absolutely. Ten would want it to perform in its broadcast time slot. Absolutely. That's unequivocal. We both agree with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. It has a second life on social media that the news does not. That is its benefit. But how is that translating to ratings or It revenue? doesn't when it's not on television. Holy fuck. You are not listening. On television, it gets ratings. 
Off television, it doesn't get ratings. But off television, it's not about ratings. It's about how many people see and click and share and do but all of the, the shit that social media is about. what's the value for that if you're not turning that into revenue? Because you sell that to your advertisers. Look at our social engagement. Look at all of the shit that we're connecting to and doing but if all I'm, of this But if I'm here. buying a spot on the project, I couldn't care less if you're doing well on social media unless I'm in a branded segment. But Channel 10 is also doing that whole we're the woke network and look at us, we're like all blah, blah, blah. It's not a woke thing. Fuck. Oh, my God. Just, Mark, just go with it. Just just, just amuse me for a second. Channel 10 are basically calling themselves the woke network. We're the network with integrity. No, that's not woke. That's trying, well, to take it at face value, that's not being woke. That's actually trying to be people who do what they say they're going to do. That's okay, all so and then they about. lie about claiming under 50s, undisputed under 50s. There is dispute. They're not undisputed under 50s, and yet they double down and make claims that are not sustainable. We're not having a conversation. Well, we are now, but we weren't having a conversation about whether or not it, it I understand that, that blah, blah, blah. There's a couple of things here, Mulk. You, uh, you know, I made a point about the project. Mm. You challenged me on that, so I'm allowed to defend myself sure. on that. And you'll keep telling me I don't understand. Well, I don't like to say this, but I figure after a few years in the industry, I have some understanding, always happy to be schooled, also always happy to be challenged and always happy to learn. But nothing you have said shows me that the project is sustaining itself through its social media interaction. I use the promotion aspect as a way of trying to define the fact that it is getting a lot of social media activity. Hopefully that can drive viewers, and that's what I talked about from a promotion point of view. But if they are only relying or in addition relying on the social media activity, how is that contributing to the revenue of 10? And the whole point of every show and every ratings and every social media engagement, everything they do is about making money. So how is the project doing that with its social media engagement? I'm not saying that I have privy access to the books behind the project or even 10. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I I can't give you factual situations around what that looks like. All I can offer is that the original question is how is the project still a thing? My response was because of how it connects and engages in its social media platform and the way it shares its stuff. Now, absolutely, it struggles when it is on broadcast television. It struggles. It's not rating mm. horrifically. Um, it's not rating what it used to well, rate. Well, it's usually three add, or four in the time slot. Yeah, well, it's not rating horrifically. But as we said, the first part of it is up against the second toughest time slot in the in the biz. And oh, the, its leading is terrible. We all agree. And news isn't lifting it and helping it. Um, look, I, I would absolutely offer 10 and Roving would love to see uh, the project be rating better. They would love to see a better opportunity. The challenge is that it is in, in the weird finances of television it is a brand synonymous with 10 um, mm. and because of its social media life uh, it brings a whole lot of goodwill and a whole bunch of as i said sherry clickbaity all of those sorts of things moments that absolutely do the rounds much more than the news does um and ostensibly it's the news right except that it's got peter hellier dropping a joke on the end of it or lisa wilkinson looking concerned or or whatever right there's that editorial component that comes into the project that it has an advantage over the news because we don't want the news to editorialize to us um it's there to tell us the story if they moved it to like nine o'clock then it would do really well because it's like when adults are up and they actually want more commentary type stuff yeah i don't know not in twenty. i don't think commentary is the issue i don't think i think it's one of the best produced shows on tv yep i think it's a turn off for viewers who don't want to be preached to i'm happy to have a conversation i'm happy to learn but i constantly i watch the project and i seriously want to slip my wrist because i feel like i'm just fucking up society completely and everything i think is wrong okay sure how did we get to the ratings section and um, all the big shows came back last week and we ended up talking for four hours about one of the lowest rating programs in prime time? It was an off-the-cuff comment. I take that that. Well, I'm going to try to segue and say the talk of the town surely must be how all of us, including myself, were wrong about the block versus yeah. oh, the yeah. voice. 
All episodes of The Voice have been over a million. The block has sunk to most episodes in the 600k, and in and the room reveal went up to 700k something. That must be huge concern for Nine. We all predicted that the block would win by nose, but we weren't even close. The Voice has stayed over a million. Um, the block is 300, 400k behind. Um, the challenge will be, of course, the voice is dropping to twice a week soon, um, and Seven will have a few gaps in the schedule, but we were wrong. The voice is going it's gangbusters. It's doing massive business for Seven. Absolutely massive business. I, I, I challenge the idea that Nine would be, you know, mortally wounded. As we've talked about, the, the voice is a sprint and the block is a marathon. There's a lot of the a lot of the block to come, and if they continue to get that 600 to 700 to 800, even probably ticking up more as we get closer, certainly the auctions will do good business. Um, I think they'll be pleased with it. It's not the numbers that they have had, absolutely. This is a diminishing returns Mark, scenario. that is nowhere near, absolutely nowhere near where the block has, has said, ever been. They always, it's a diminishing it's return a disaster, scenario. Aaron. It's not a disaster by They're any not stretch. bad figures based on where television is. It's just that the voice is doing gangbusters. The voice gangbusters. picked up out the of nowhere. Voice, the, the, the block is normally up with the 800, 900s, and then when the r- room reveals 1 million, 1.1 million, to be stuck in the 600,000 and, oh. and, 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 and competing with Australian Survivor would be a disaster for nine. It's not a disaster for any network. 600,000 is actually pretty good. But the block being 300 or 400,000 behind where it has been in, in the last two years, I would say for nine is an absolute disaster. Every show, every Absolutely. show is struggling in 2021. Bar a couple that have stuck their head up, like The Voice, like Merit at First Sight. Everything is sitting in that somewhere between 600 to 800 thousand, and everyone is calling that good business. Everyone. Having said that, I do think that Seven will win the year. But look, there are some changes on the way to the way we receive ratings data from next week. Total TV figures will now be released at 9am and overnight figures will be pushed back to 10am. Alright guys, this to me just seems like they want to report bigger figures, which is fine, but I've got some issues. I was taking a look at uh, the Voz report. So hang on, Rob, when you say total TV, you're talking about the Voz numbers coming out at 9 o'clock. Correct. Right. So what is interesting about the Voz Total People is it includes Linear TV, National, which means Metro and Regional. It includes BVOD, which also includes National and Metro. So what we're seeing here is an announcement of figures where they're throwing everything they can together. And it's plus seven. Yeah. So it's seven days after the broadcast. So the question I have here... This is great for networks to say, well, look, Tokyo Olympics did 2.6 million people last week. Day eight was the number one shot, right? Yeah. But the question I have is how is that beneficial to an advertiser? An advertiser places a spot in the voice. They get an instant reaction. Viewers see it. They can sell a product. But is that same advertiser getting the benefit if someone has on their IQ or their fetch recorded that show and sped through the ads. Now, I know Oztem say that it's only included if uh, the B, the catch-up numbers are only included if they watch the whole show with ads. Nobody does that. So I call bullshit on that. Secondly, just say The Voice then runs on 7+. plus. Is that same advertiser in 7+. plus? Well, probably not. So what is the benefit to the advertiser unless they are doing in-show promotion? But when you're talking about spots and dots, what is the benefit to the advertiser on this new Voz system? I can't see it. Any decent ad salesperson will have been dishing up what Voz is now neatly packaging up for them anyway. They'll have been showing them this. They'll have been talking about, here's what the benefits are. Here's the thing. And and really, there's two different sales mechanisms that we're looking at now, right? There's integrations. So, mm. you know, when you go to the block and all of a sudden they're at Mitre 10 or whatever's going and on. And those now. figures do. Oh, 100%. Uh, and those figures are relevant to that. Absolutely. And then there's the people that buy 30 seconds. I want to put my widget ad in at the mm-hmm. first break during the, the, the block, right? 
So there's two different things. Now, the widget people may or may not buy advertising for Nine Now. It's it's very possible that they don't, but they'll probably tailor them a package so that they might. Please, can you do that? Because it means all of a sudden that we're not just seeing the same ad 70 times when we watch it on <laughs> catch-up. Um, the real issue here is that um, largely what we're getting is last week's news wrapping our fish and chips, and no mm. one cares. Like from a mm. market point of view, we want to know how the voice went last night, not how it went last week plus all of the extra bits because everybody's adding extra bits, everybody. And it's great that they're doing it. It's great that they've got catch-up markets and that they've got people that are then flipping over after the voice and bivotting, you know, have you been paying attention or, or the block or whatever they're doing. Great. That's awesome. That's not what we care about when we look at the morning's ratings. What we care about is what happened last night. It's why the plus seven and plus 28 numbers, no one really gives a crap about, right? It, it's not that big an influence. It will help us to be able to see what the BVOD and, uh, and that sort of figure is on specific shows. If anything, it's only going to lean into stuff that we already know. Um, and that's, that's a, a difficulty is that, you know, live sport, a lot of people actually don't record and watch back that much. Not by the mm. compared to the amount of numbers that watch it live, for example. Here's the interesting thing for me, Aaron, was the networks did have a push to get rid of overnight figures, but Oztem, from what I can tell, are going to continue providing overnight figures. I've got to say that um, that is disingenuous from the networks because if they get a big figure overnight, they will trumpet it. But also... I think it will stop the reporting of TV numbers because no one will care a week later, as Malk rightly says. I tell you, I'm absolutely getting sick of the networks changing the goalposts. I have had, and I can tell you, emails in the past from networks saying, basically, you're a fucking idiot that has no understanding about ratings when you sit there and talk about the total people figures for a show. <laughs> Advertisers don't give a shit about advertisers. We're not in that market. We're, we're, we're about talking about, for example, 18 to 49. So if you want to sit there and talk about total people figures, then you're a fucking idiot and have no, no idea what you're talking about, right? But then where they put out the ratings reports in the morning, they never put... 300,000 people watched 18 to 49, you know, 18 to 49 mm -hmm. watched this program. It's all about, and still to this day, and we can open up the ratings room this morning, they will say that 1.1 million watched The Voice last night. That will be their major key. We were number one for the night. We were number one total people. We were number one uh, in, in all of this. These ratings, so, so the point I want to make is what are the ratings for? Is it a ratings for advertisers or is it ratings for people to talk about and I guess promote the network as being big? Because if it's about well, it's always served both, hasn't it? Well, if it's about advertisers, don't include the ABC, SBS. They, oh, I mean, SBS do have some some commercials, but it's is it about advertisers? And let's talk about the eighteen to forty nine, and and is Toyota advertising in this, and therefore Nine Rush is doing really well because it's in the male demographic and all that sort of stuff? Or are we talking about as Australians? What are we watching? We're watching the, everyone's talking about and watching The Voice or The Block as 1.1 million. But they keep changing the goalposts. I mean, I, I think this is the way ratings should be, the way they're doing this. It actually shows that, you know, 1.6 million of my fellow Australians are also watching this particular program. And we can talk about that on a, on a podcast like this. But just to, you know, to, to send emails and, oh, geez, I wish we could publish this, but no one would ever talk, talk to us again. But send out, you know, emails saying that, you're a bloody idiot. You have no no idea what ratings actually mean. You should be talking about the fact that, you know, we, we got a, a bigger share in, in 18 to 49 last night and not the fact that the opposition got 1.4 million in, in something else. It's just ridiculous. I, I honestly... Well, that's called PR spin and they all try it on. But look, uh, this is interesting because this next item is where things might go because new research released by nine says advertisers are missing out on a cashed up demo who are spending 2.3 billion dollars in weekly household spending the research conducted by nine and Cantar shows 55 to 64s are super consumers with a high disposable income it's a group currently ignored by advertisers who usually chase a younger audience who are seen as having more disposable income Sarah, I've got to say, this research made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, old people have money. 
all the young kids are buying avocado toast and they can't afford to buy anything else. So <laughs> wow. you may as well go after <laughs> old people. All the boomers have cash. They're holding on to it. They're hoarding it. They've already bought all the property before it was really expensive. They've sold several of those houses. They're cashed up. They've got money. That's who you should be selling shit to and not just life insurance and, you know, funeral services and uh, diapers and... Um, the catheter things. I mean, that's all you see on old people's... <laughs> the catheter cowboy! This, it's interesting you say that, Sarah, because this is what the research is showing, that these... This age group has paid off its mortgage and it does have disposable income. So, you know, the kids have moved out. They've got a bit of money. And there's a slide in there in their presentation, which I love. They show what a 50-year-old was like in the 1985. And it was... It was Ruth from the Golden Girls, and you compare that with the 50-year-old in 2021, and it's Jennifer Lopez. On a stripper pole. Yeah. On a stripper pole. And so there is a big difference between a 50 uh, in 85 and a 50-year-old now, and I'm 48. But look at our parents. Think of our parents at our age and how old they were with their short hair and their perms, and they they felt old and we're not old anymore i mean i know as you get older you're supposed to feel like you're no longer that old person but honestly like i look at my parents generation and they looked old and i'm i'm still like cool you know (laughs) in my own lunchbox Um, (laughs) but this this is interesting research aaron because considering 10 are trying to aim for that under 50s demo which Back in the day when 10 did 16 or 39 was such a smart play. They looked at the demos they had. They said, we're number one here. We're going to sell that to advertisers. Advertisers left it up. It became the cool thing in school. Really, really smart play. The problem is now with a fragmented audience, it is older viewers watching television. So this research is backing up who's there and what's available on offer. That $2.8 billion of weekly household spending is a big chunk of change that advertisers are missing out on if they're not selling to these people. If I had a big bullshit button in front of me, I would be pressing it now. But let me clarify, I believe I believe in the actual research. Absolutely, if this whole time, that demographic has had money. Absolutely, and they should have been... The whole um, time? You know, in... in what, well, the demographic I've been talking about over a period of time, that demographic has always had, they paid off their mortgage, like you said. I think they, it's they, been they, an they, underrepresented they demo in but, advertising. But, but, but the bullshit part I'm calling out is, and a certain network has, has, has come to this conclusion, that young people are now leaving television and we are left with the older demographic. So all of a sudden, this research just comes out now sort of say, oh, this demographic that we've got left in television, oh, they do spend money and advertisers, please come to us. Whereas five years ago and 10 years ago, they were actually cancelling shows that were rating highly but were in the higher demographic. No, I, I think that both parts are correct because I think old people are. All people are watching, the only ones watching TV and they're also the ones with money. So I think that they're right and they were like, look, all people are watching TV, young people are watching TikTok and YouTube and doing whatever. And like the old people are watching TV and also they have cash. So, I mean, it, to me, it does make sense. And I'd also just add the research is self-serving, 100%, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. No, absolutely. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. I think in the past they've looked at older people being, yeah, you've got money, but they're rusted on. So once they, for example, buy a holder, they always buy a holder, or they're not as spontaneous. Young people will go, wow, that's cool, and go out and buy it, whereas older people might research. They'll wait for the price to come down. They'll shop around. But the point is, absolutely right, the research is correct. The demographic do have money, and they should have been respected all of this time in terms Mm. of advertising and in terms of in terms of programming but i'm just saying in the past they have they've actually cancelled high rating programs total people programs because they said the demographic is too high and we don't give a shit about old people but now that the young people have left i'm just talking about the timing the yep. timing right this second young people aren't watching tv older people are and guess what 
we don't want the advertisers to go away now. So we've actually found this research that says they've got all this cash. Well, they so haven't found it. They commissioned it. They went well, to see if their theory was true, and it turned out that it was. So it's com- it's been specifically commissioned. And what I would also say is that Maureen Plasvik talked about the importance of the baby boomers back in the 2000s. I saw research at seven that showed baby boomers had money to spend. They could just never convince the advertisers that it was a sexy market to spend on. You think about advertisers who are all wanting to do the next big cool thing. That's why they're all into catch-up services at the moment and ignoring other things to their clients' detriment because they want the big new shiny thing. The fact is, if you actually want to properly represent your clients, this is a market that has been there all this time that has, I agree, Aaron, been under service. And no matter what Nine's motivations, does not make the research incorrect. Mark, I can see you chomping at the bit. I love this. I have so many feelings about all of this. Um, this is a generational recognition, right? Um, uh, the builders, pr- prior to our boomer parents, I think for almost all of us, um, did not have money when they got to this stage. They, they had uh, some for retirement, but nothing like the fluid available monies that people in their 55 to 64-ish kind of time frame, they've got all the cash because they've got all the houses because they've got all the things, right? Generalizations aside, um, I feel like that this research is shit we already knew for $200. Thanks, Mike. Like I, I yeah, kind of yeah. And now we're making like it on is, paper. Well, that's it. It's the formalization of the thing that we already knew because we're seeing the inequity in the market generically, right? Young people can't get into the housing market because who owns all of the houses? Where's all the money tied up? It's people who've built themselves into a position generationally to be able to deliver that. Um, I, I, I just, your statement about cancelling shows and all of those, completely legit, Aaron, it absolutely happened, except that this is nine commissioning the research and it was seven that dumped their big place to call home. Uh, boomer-focused TV show. That was that was an example. They sure, done that. but there's no other example of it. Like, that that was very explicit from Seven saying we're getting rid of this because it's not the market we want to chase. And now Nine have got the research to say that actually you probably should have held on to it. Foxtel would be going, yeah, we can tell you you should have held on to it because they mm. found a whole new life for that program on their platform. Um, from memory, Nine dumped Sal the Century for the same reason. Oh, mate. They've all turned their backs on older viewers. Seven went really rough. There was a summer where Seven basically said, oh, 10 have gone young. They're providing a challenge. Let's go really young. And I think the campaign from memory was spanking new summer. And the graphics were all changed to be young and flat and really this was in the 2000s when I was still in promos. It was back in the Epping days, so I'm really going back. I want to say it was like 2002, 2003. Mm. Um, And basically it failed spectacularly because they turned off their core audience and they went elsewhere and seven canned it and started skewing back trying to get those older viewers back but it's always everyone in the industry has fallen for this thing that it's all about young people well i can tell you my kids are not watching tv my kids watch youtube norris nuts is huge with one of my daughters the other one watches uh, they actually all watch a woman called ss sniper wolf who watches who reacts to things on youtube that's her whole shtick she makes millions of dollars just by sitting there and putting out videos other people make and she reacts to them tv (laughs) this is what content is in 2021 tv by any other name tv by any other name rob um yeah this is the challenge i don't i think you're being disingenuous in saying that the networks have ignored this demographic, I don't think they have at all, right? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, they have. They keep se- they keep keep sending us stuff saying ignore total people, and because the total people stuff is the older people in the genera- you know, is the older people in the ratings. Concentrate on the 16 to 39, 18 to 49, and 25 to 54 demographics. Ignore total people because the total people encompass old people. They have be- they have been telling us to ignore total people forever, except if you're watching seven two or nine gem. And you're watching Inspector Morse, and they might get a couple of dollars out of them for that. They have totally ignored older people. For all of our TV networks, I, I don't think that they've been ignoring their older audience. I think that what has been happening is that they've been caught out 
where they have tried to play into the older demo and that has gotten away from them. And then they've realized that young people actually don't watch TV anymore. So we need to start investing heavily into this streaming market, whatever that looks like and however we're going to deliver that. Fair enough. Costs a lot of money. And the problem is that they, they aren't running a dual focus. They're going, it's this or this. They're going, we have to focus on the young people or we have to focus on the old people. And don't get me wrong, this is advertising for nine for their sales team to hit the market. Any any marketing team from any product in the world that wants to hit this cashed up older sort of, you know, boomer generation already know where the money is. They don't need Channel 9 telling them where to go looking for it. In fact, what they would be needing is Channel 9 putting the case to them and 7 and 10, well, maybe not 10. They would need 7 and 9 putting the case to them as to why they should spend their marketing dollar with them. And this is what this this advertising, uh, sorry, this research is supposed to be doing. It's to hit the marketing crews who go, we need to hit this market. And not saying, hey, we found this out. Come and advertise with us because we're finding Mm -hmm. out about it. We're letting you know that we know about it. That's all it is. It's creating a conversation so success and the research makes sense. All right. It's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Streaming platform Acorn TV has announced the commissioning of an eight-episode Australian series, Darby and Joan. The romantic mystery will star Brian Brown and Greta Scacchi embarking on a journey in the outback of northern Australia. Binge and Screen TV have teamed up to create a new romantic drama series titled Love Me. The series is about a modern love experienced by different family members at three distinct times of life. And the all-star cast includes Hugo Weaving, Bajana Novakovic, and Celia Pakola. Stephen Peters has been appointed as head of development of WTFN after working with the company for nearly a year as a contracted consultant. His previous roles include executive producer of Australian Survivor and overseeing production on the first series of Australian Idol. TV and radio star Ernie Sigley has died aged 82 after a private battle with Alzheimer's disease. Over his career, he won 21 silver logies and one gold logie. Reportedly died with his wife and children by his side. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Sad news about Ernie, of course. Another legend gone from the TV industry. Okay, we will continue in a moment. And we've got some interesting selections in our TV binge box. This is TV Black Box. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. And now it's time to find out what everyone has been watching as we open the TV binge box. Now, Mulk, you have subscribed to Paramount Plus. Finally, so yes. I think we should touch on that and just get a quick take of your experience on that platform before we find out what you've been watching. Yeah, look, Paramount Plus, uh, the latest streamer to land in Australia, is undercooked, I have to say. The library is pretty great to kick off. Like, it's a pretty sizable library. There's a lot of stuff. That if you've been watching any 10 television, you will have seen extended ads for a whole bunch of stuff that they've got there, like the new season of Five Bedrooms, which, by the way, has just been commissioned for season three with season two. And, and wasn't there Plus. an issue with the labelling where the episodes were out of order or something? There was a brief thing on launch where they had labelled the descriptions and, and some of the, the um, uh, episodes were not, like episode one wasn't episode one. But that got fixed reasonably quickly. Uh, but, yeah, right. that's that's still not a great look for the start of your streaming service. The challenge mm. for mine is that the platform that they're offering us um, looks like a streaming service from 2015, right? There's none of the basics that we've come to expect. There's no multiple profiles. There's no watch list. You can't save programs into here's the list of things I want to watch later. The UI has been buggy. Um there's uh, no Chromecast option, so you can't, you know, if you've subscribed and you don't have a smart TV, you can't uh, run it off your laptop or your your tablet device oh. and push it up to your 
um, smart TV. If you, you know, if you've got an Apple TV or you've got a certain number of smart TVs, there's apps. But if you don't have that, then you're cooked. Um, and, and that's part of the, the concern. It's just stuff that I would expect in nearly 2022 that any streaming service that launched would give to us. Like when Netflix and Stan and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus and all of the others give me watch lists, give me profiles, give me all of that sort of stuff, mm. it really should be there. Now, the price point is good. Well, they're basics, really. You would think so, right? Nowadays, they're basics. The price point is good at $8.99 or $89.99 a year if you want to do a, a yearly subscription uh, and save yourself a couple of months' worth of money. The real proof will be in about three or four or six months' time as they start to roll out more and more originals that are slated to land onto Paramount+. Plus. The stuff, the new stuff that's there at launch... Um, it is, is good. I love Why Women Kill and Season 2 is great. Um, I enjoyed Five Bedrooms. Season 2 is great. The Mark Wahlberg film Infinite is just shitty popcorn cinema and there's nothing better to do if you want to waste two hours. Um, but the problem is that then the back catalogue stuff is... It, it, it's a large library, but it still needs more. And we don't even have everything that the US has got, for example. Right. Yeah, I can't say that I've been rushing out to get it. I'm actually not interested. And, you know, let, let's talk about what we've been watching this week because I feel mm-hmm. like I've got plenty on my plate with what I've got. Uh, for example, I watched the newsreader on ABC. Well, I actually watched it on ABC iView. Mm. I've got to say, you know me, I'm, I'm usually not a huge on Aussie drama. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. I thought the storyline was great. It had real heart. Um, the historical context was fantastic. I'm ignoring the fact they get overnight ratings data in the uh, 80s. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys, that didn't happen, but I understand for narrative purposes yeah, why you've yeah. done that. But, uh, you know, even the beta tape getting chewed up and losing the grab, there's lots of fun stuff, but it's not really... It's about TV, but it's not about TV. And I think that what is what makes a great story when that is the backdrop and some of the motivation of what's going on. But the, the storyline is the people. And I just really, I'm hooked on this show. And, and placed I, brilliantly in history too. 1986 was a significant year. And you get specific dates of yeah. when it's taking place. Just beautifully, beautifully done. And... It's interesting because there's things like when they're doing their update on the space shuttle, and I know for a fact today ran those pictures live. I watched the space shuttle live on the Today Show, but we have to transpose out of that because they're not playing in that realm of what sometimes actually happened on Australian TV at the time because the space shuttle, when that exploded, was seriously live pictures were on today. It was like uh, 7.30 in the morning here. Followed the launch, right? Yeah. And um, so, but other than those little things, I, I think it's great, but I'm letting all that go. Hey, I Rob, also d- d- watched. D- I just wanted to ask in terms of that show, mm. is that what, what it was like in terms of the people, all that yelling, the boss coming in and the scream? Like, was that actually. Because you have some experience being. Well, I didn't work in TV in the 80s, but yes, that's what it was like. Um, And (laughs) I would say it was like that. I I think that kind of stuff still happens, to be honest. And, uh, you know, um, I, you know, obviously they've got some very sexist attitudes as part of that. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, like creative fields are a very robust or have been robust because people are trying their best they're dealing with each other's egos and they're trying to deliver product and 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 there's a lot of pressure you know if you are getting overnight ratings um but i also watched late night on netflix which i thought was fun it's throwaway um mark i took your recommendation and watched what if on disney plus i thought that was absolutely brilliant and really just a fun thing to show alternative ways things could have gone in the marvel universe i've been watching some classic doctor who on brute box i'm watching castrovalva if anyone knows that that's the fifth doctor's first story uh the voice on seven the household are loving that and the hundred on nine i think this is a really fun show i really got engaged with it uh probably by the time most people hear this they will have the episode will have gone to air but andy drops an f-bomb tonight we ran a spoiler on that on uh tv black box and it's in context it's not a big drama but it was just a fun thing it's that it was his show. first Let's time doing it sorry 
It's a great joke. Let's oh, be yeah, fair. Fab joke. So it, it's all good. Um, Sarah, what have you been watching? Well, I was busy playing with ropes and getting hot and heavy with Fred, but uh, we did watch Suicide Squad, um, which was uh, interesting. Um, oh, you mean saw... a movie that I'm not allowed to go and see? You can't see Suicide Squad. Well, the cinemas are shut. We're in lockdown. Is this the second one that's just come out, or is it the first one you're watching? So we actually watched it on HBO Max. Yes. Um, in the States, they were showing it here. So. Yeah, so we, we, this is everything we've watched on TV. Um, we watched Gunshy with Antonio Banderas. Um, that's an older movie. Um, of course, some NCIS. What would my life be without that? And um, I did watch on Netflix, they have Stateless, the Australian yes. series. And um, so ABC. I think Matt... Yeah, so Matt was out of town, so I actually put on some Australian stuff. And um, I, I think I've watched the first two or three episodes. Um, so it's... Yeah, it, it was it was really good. It's amazing. Stateless is amazing. Yeah, so I'll finish that this week. Yeah, yeah good awesome. It, it's interesting because the Suicide Squad in the states went to cinemas and went to HBO Max, uh, and there was huge controversy because people were, you know, why do I ever say I don't have HBO Max? Um, and the cinema numbers weren't great by comparison, but the studio, don't you worry about that. They've done quite fine. Whereas in Australia here, it's just gone to cinemas uh, and. Victoria and all of New South Wales can't go and see it. Yeah, Matt was thrilled. He's like, oh, my God, HBO Max has all of this stuff that's, like, at the cinema, so we can watch it. And so that's what we're doing this My week. wife was very pleased to know that all of NCIS is on Paramount+, Plus, so she's going to catch up on NCIS New Orleans that she missed <laughs> two seasons on. We are finally up to season 10. So, you know, another six months and maybe we'll be up to real time. Maybe. Maybe. Um, <laughs> all right, Aaron. Yeah, a few things. Um, but first, I want to, I guess, correct the record on something with the Paramount Plus thing. I did say on this podcast that Five Bedrooms, that exclusive title that they were going to say was bullshit and it would screen on Channel 10. <laughs> Bever Garvey has confirmed that Five Bedrooms will air on Channel 10 in a, you know, in a few months' time or whatever afterwards. You're like they a dog ne- with a bone. You're very they much They were like never going to waste it. Well, I was slammed down on this. No, no, they said exclusive. It's not screening on Channel 10. Well, I said, well, yeah, but it is. But it's not, but it is. And it is going to screen on Channel 10, so there but you go. But it is. It is going to screen on Channel it, 10. It is yeah. exclusive on Paramount+. Plus. Can't see it anywhere else. Did you ask Bev McGarvey out on a date once and she told you no? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said it would run after it, uh, it would run oh. after its screening on Paramount Plus. And it said, no, no, it's going to remain exclusive. They weren't going to waste a show like that only on Paramount Plus. It was always going to screen on 10 anyway. I wanted to also add about our media watch. I just thought Janine Perrett, that was... My favourite episode of Media Watch ever. She was great. What a firecracker. That was fantastic. Um, And adding to The 100 with Andy Lee, I actually liked it. I thought it was a bit of fun. It got a lot of negative publicity online. The only thing I can't see is how it can last more than two or three episodes. I mean, they have fun things like um, how many Australians pee in the shower. And then, you know, they go to the 100 and it's sort of like 60% of Australians pee in the shower. And that's kind of fun. But you just wonder how many weeks they can keep inventing more surveys and stuff like that. I think it will just get repetitive. As long as it rates, my friend. As long as it rates. <laughs> hey, yeah. how long has Family Feud been on air for? We've asked 100 people for this answer. Survey says... Ding, 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 ding. How good like, That's just that's been that 20 years. I think it was 480,000 or, or something around there for the first episode. So let's see where it goes with that. Um, I mentioned this one before, American Horror Stories. Um, seriously, if you haven't watched that, you get all of the horror stories in one episode rather than the whole season. So it's really good and it's on... Fox Showcase and Binge, seven episodes this season. The Voice, loving it. Hatton Garden um, is on seven after Homicide, double episode. It's the real-life thing about the Hatton Garden bank heist. Um, It's done a drama. Hmm? Seven have been plugging this for a while and they've buried it. They're burning it off. 
Yeah, and I was about to also add, it is a bit slow, and it's clearly targeted at uh, Nine's new audience of 55 to 64. <laughs> but... Um, it's uh, it's yeah, it is a bit slow, but that the show before Homicide, I'm um, very fascinating. I mean, it's like you know those Australian crime stories, that kind of stuff. But I think it's done with this guy who's who's been a um a former police detective for over forty years. I just thought his insights were great. Um, and it was just a different way of presenting it. I thought it was a. Uh, it, it was really good. So that's Ron Idles has done stuff like that on Foxtel on the Crime Investigation Network. And I'm guessing all that stuff's good, is it? I haven't watched it, but... Look, if you're into that sort of thing, the problem yeah. for poor old Ron and Seven is that 60 Minutes had a great story and it beat it. You know, it yeah. did okay, but, you know, that, that's if the only, If only there was a podcast out there that, that talked about real-life murder stuff and all that kind of stuff would be great. Gosh. But anyway... It's also now available as a video podcast, Monsters oh, Who Murder, Serial God. Killer Confessions, with the Serial Killer Whisperer. Amanda Howard. We, Available in your podcast feed or subscribe at mwm.uscreen.io. We've got to start getting some money for uh, these live reads that are going on. <laughs> hey, he threw it out there. I just took the opportunity. I've been watching heaps. Thanks, Rob. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> I was way ahead, to that. <laughs> way ahead on the newsreader. Um, and, in fact, I loved it. Congratulations, Michael Lucas. It is absolutely phenomenal. William McGuinness is fierce, um, though there is something that happens in C- in Episode 5 that I just feel like is – I don't know if it's building to it and I missed it, but it's a gear change that I don't like. I think oh. it's fine. I just think it's disingenuous to the character. But, look, when you get to it, you'll probably spot it and go, Mulk, you're an idiot. I might actually have to go and see if I've got an ABC screener login because <laughs> I always lose them. But the re- the testament, the fact that I watched five episodes as yeah. quickly as I could was because it's mm. that good. Um, Loving Survivor, uh, Marvel's What If, I Cannot Get Enough Of, RFDS, there's more that have arrived in the uh, preview portal, friends. Get into that. It is brilliant. The final season of Rosehaven, delightful. I'm going to miss it so much. Um, the Good Fight is still doing phenomenal, phenomenal storytelling and criminally underappreciated. I loved the return of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's on SBS. Um, the Good Fight is also on SBS, by the way. Um, I have enjoyed... Um, I got the opportunity to preview the new Nicole Kidman series, Nine Perfect Strangers, that's on Hulu in the States and Amazon here in Australia. It premieres with three episodes of The Eight this Friday here. Um, and I, I was a little bit mesmerised by it. Mm. I, I don't usually rate Nicole Kidman as much of an actress. I think she's pretty good in this. Um Bobby Cannavale and Melissa McCarthy are the standouts for mine, but it is Asha Ketty's in it, Samara Weaving's in it, um, uh, Michael Shannon's in it. It's it's a bloody great cast filmed in Byron Bay. Uh, it looks phenomenal. It's really intriguing, twisty kind of story setting and plot lining. Uh, David E. Kelly has done a great job, so check it out. That is this Friday on uh, Amazon in Australia, Hulu in the States, Nine Perfect Strangers. It's Leanne, Leanne Moriarty's story, her next story after um, the other one. that Little Big Lies. That's it, Little Big Lies. It was, uh, it was such a breakout hit on HBO. Or Big I Little think, Lies. Whatever it was. It's the, that one. I think this is going to be rock solid. I'm really enjoying mm. it. Okay, thank you, Malk. And that brings us to the end of TV Blackbox. For more TV news, go to tvblackbox.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter, which comes out sporadically when there's actual news to tell. You can do that by going to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. Very Sometimes simple. Sometimes there's news to tell three times a day, isn't there, Rob? Uh, there was twice. Thank you very much, Malk, because there was breaking news <laughs> and we kept people up to date with breaking news plus the stories that you can use. It's news you oh, can God. use and breaking news. Oh. The TV Blackbox newsletter, here for you at tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. I'm Rob McKnight. We'll see you next week. Bye. Good night. Jesus.